1: Each each week I've got the pleasure of talking to some very talented attorneys on this podcast and, and like you, learning a great deal about uh, different elements of the law. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell back with you for another of our weekly discussions. And I very much like having the opportunity to do what we have planned for today. Now, many times on the podcast we'll, we'll cover a specific legal topic in as much depth as we can in, in the time we've got. Um, but now that we've been at it for a while, sometimes we can take two different topics of the law and kind of bring them together into one conversation and you know quite frankly that that's how things work in the real world anyway so it's great to have the chance to follow that thought process here as well today my guest will be Emil Elkas a partner at Lavelle Law Emil has been here many times in the past and uh, as head of the family law group at Lavelle Law he always always shares very valuable information now you may know the the firm initially started doing a lot of uh, Tax work in its early days—that was sort of the base of the practice—and uh, they've always kept that as part of the uh, uh key part of the work that they do for their clients. So, we're going to combine family law and tax today and talk about some important aspects of divorce. So, sorry for the long introduction, but Emil, welcome. I think we got a lot to talk about today. Thanks for being here,
0: Jim. Thanks for having me.
1: So let's let's keep our two topics separate for just a moment. And maybe give us a a, just a short primer on how property gets divided in a
0: divorce settlement okay well there's two ways mainly uh, typically of how property gets divided number one is by an agreement of the parties so the parties can reach in in a divorce or a legal separation can reach an agreement uh, as to how they want to divide not only their assets but their liabilities and that is done uh, typically through what's called a uh, marital settlement agreement Or uh, an agreement has already been done, like uh, what we call it, what most people call a prenup or a premarital agreement. That's done before a divorce, or excuse me, a marriage is even um, uh, completed. So um, one is by agreement, whether it's a prenup or a marital settlement agreement, and the other one is by having a judge decide. And that's not as common. Um, You know, about maybe 1% or 2% of cases go to to an actual trial where you have a judge dictate how assets will be divided in a divorce. So those are mainly the two ways, or actually those are the only two ways that assets and liabilities are divided in a divorce.
1: And just real quickly, in in that first scenario, the, the predominant scenario, once the agreement is reached, does a judge have to approve that? Or once the agreement is signed, then everyone's happy?
0: Oh, no, absolutely. So the parties will reach an agreement, and then they will present that to a judge and a procedure called a prove up hearing um the judge will hear testimony from the parties and will review the settlement agreement and typically a judge will approve it unless it's unless the judge finds that it's inequitable meaning um you know it doesn't have to be equal it just has to be um uh, fair right so you can't have one party getting all the assets and one party getting all the liabilities unless there's something else you know as a give and take
1: mhm Okay, so let's talk about the actual transfer of property that happens after that agreement is in place. Uh, my guess is, and correct me here, you know, if it, we're talking about tables and chairs, you know, imagine somebody rolls up with a truck and things get moved around. But when you talk about things like cars and houses and investment accounts, does there need to be a sort of a, a retitling that takes place then?
0: Uh, there does, yes. So um, depending on the type of asset, so if it's real estate. Um, if a party is awarded um, real estate and the other party is giving up their right to that, um, th- there is a retitling and a transfer of that asset to the other party so that, you know, whether it, during the course of the marriage, if the property was held held in either joint tenancy or tenancy by the entirety, um, you know, that person will sign off, so to speak, and give it to the other party. Um, you know, with respect to personal property um you you're right like you know things like a tv and a couch that just gets transferred but uh a vehicle could be um you know that's required that one party retitle the vehicle if it's only if it's in the other person's name or if it's mm-hmm. jointly held in both of their names um uh financial accounts those are a little bit uh different so it's not really a retitling you're basically giving a portion of your retirement account to the other person and so that person owns it separate, and it's basically a new asset that this person is acquiring. So it's it's a new item, so to speak. Um, so there okay. isn't really a retitling of a financial account. Um, it's more of a transfer of it.
1: Got it. All right. Well, let's let's, let's break these down a little bit because we've got a couple different item types of items here you, you've talked about. And um, the first I think I hear is personal property. Um, and what we want to talk about today is, is you know, the implication, the tax implication of, of moving these items around in a divorce. So in in terms of personal property, are there any um, any things that people will be aware of from a tax perspective?
0: Uh, personal property, no. Uh, so th- those are, again, those are things like a vehicle or artwork or, you know, a couch or a TV, um, you know, collectibles like coins and stamps baseball cards those are just transferred from one person to the other um you know you're not reporting that to the IRS you're not paying any taxes on those transfers so personal property there typically is not a uh, tax liability associated with that
1: okay now are there places where tax liability does
0: become a factor um it does from the standpoint of um retirement accounts um those there could be a Liability or tax liability associated with that, only, but it, it depends on what the person does with them after they receive them, right? So, the actual event, so the transferring that is done from one spouse to the other, that's a that's uh, not a taxable event. So that person that's receiving, so for example, the judge awards the wife half of the husband's 401k plan with ABC Inc. Mm-hmm. The wife receiving 50% of the ex-spouse's 401k plan, that transfer is not taxed. If she takes that, you know, her one-half interest and liquidates it because she needs the money to buy a new townhouse, then that will uh, generate some tax liability. Um, But the actual transfer of it, that simple act of moving it from one spouse to the other because of a divorce would not be taxed.
1: And, and her potential sale uh, that would trigger the tax liability, that would just be consistent with anyone else that would liquidate a, a retirement account.
0: That's absolutely right. Yep, exactly.
1: Okay. Um, we're talking to Emil Alcaso, a partner at LaBelle Law today, and always feel very fortunate when he, when he makes the time to join us. We're, we're talking about divorce and, and tax implications on the division of property that occurs in a settlement. Um, Emil's got extensive background in family law matters, and, and he's been on this podcast and, and has written many articles that can be found on com regarding topics like divorce, child custody, maintenance, uh, orders of protection, and more. You can, you can find his profile on the website as well. Um, we're going to dig in a little bit further today. Now, you just answered a question, as I heard it, specifically about retirement accounts. And if I think what I heard you say earlier, other general bank accounts or financial investments outside of retirement accounts... Generally, then there's not going to be any tax issue as those get placed in one name or the other.
0: Correct. Right. It's only what the person does with those those assets after they receive them from this other spouse mm-hmm. in the divorce. Okay.
1: And and any other um, types of property that um, have have any implications going through this process then?
0: Um, no, it's usually just the financial accounts and. Um, yeah. You know, with respect to, let's say, for example, real estate. So, typically, when you, you know, sell real estate, you could have uh, capital gains taxes associated with that. But in a divorce, again, when you're transferring your interest, um, you know, let's say I own a, a townhouse in my own name. I get divorced from my my wife, and uh, I award her that townhouse to her. That transfer itself would not be a taxable event. She would not be Um, responsible for paying any taxes associated with that. Um, She would title the property in her name. Um, She would, you know, may or may not take out a new mortgage, things like that, but the event itself would not generate a taxable event because it's a divorce. Um, The one taxable thing that um, I can think of right now would be if that spouse were to get maintenance from one, you know, so if they're receiving support from the other spouse, um, that's a taxable that you know that's treated as income, income that they're getting right. from one spouse, and therefore they have to pay taxes on it, just like they would pay taxes on you know their regular you know W two uh, employer.
1: Okay, and and in terms of uh, so it sounds to me like there's you know the, the two potential areas as you said are just the income tax on on these on the uh, maintenance, and then potentially any dissolution of a uh, retirement account. In those instances, uh, because I know at, at Lavelle, you guys you, you do a great job working on tax strategies for different people. If you see the potential for this, you know that the retirement account is going to be liquidated to help, you know, pay for expenses that are necessary as, as they start off in their own separate lives. Now, are there anything that can be done to to minimize that or prevent that or structure in a certain way, or is that just going to be a reality?
0: Uh, it's, it's short answer is it's probably just going to be a reality.
1: Not uh, not a lot else that people can do to avoid this. Um, all right, so what else, anything else in, in terms of people who find themselves in this situation and, and and just in terms of things they should be aware of as they have to sit down and negotiate the division, any uh, any other factors we should share with people before we let you go today?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think what what's important is, um, and I've come across this situation where, where people, you know, because of a divorce or because of this, you know, it's a life-changing event, and, and a lot of times, um, you know, People are either, um, you know, they're they're becoming self-supporting and, and and try to shore up as as much, you know, cash or access to cash as they can. And and I've had situations where clients do get you know half of their spouse's retirement account and then liquidate it to pay down debts. Um, you know, that's obviously not always advisable. And I understand in some scenarios that may be your only choice. But I, I think, um, you know, getting advice from either a financial planner or an accountant. Uh, somebody else that uh, you know outside of the divorce lawyer to give them some sort of advice or planning and that'll help them structure a settlement agreement you know maybe if if for example they need access to cash after the divorce maybe getting the spouses one half of their retirement isn't the maybe the best strategy maybe it is giving up on that and asking for something else instead for example support maintenance or maybe equity from the house things like that so you know, I think taxes do come into play. Um, uh, it, it, they don't come into play when they're just transferring it from one person to another, but the ramifications of, of what the person does with that asset after the divorce, um, that's where it becomes an issue. And, and that's where, you know, getting assistance from an accountant, for example, would be really beneficial for that particular person.
1: Got it. All right. Well, listen, uh, as as always, we like to um, let, uh, let our attorneys get back. Uh, we've only got a time limit here that we can... Uh, uh, squeeze into each week, so I want to thank Emil for being with us today. Always a pleasure when he's here to talk to us, so uh, appreciate his time, uh, as always. And uh, certainly, I uh, want to thank everyone for listening, taking the time to join us. Now, again, if you um, uh, want to find out more about some of the other topics I mentioned earlier um, regarding family law or even uh, some of the financial aspects, uh, taxation uh, in other areas, uh, whether it's your personal accounts or real estate, uh, com uh, has not only a number of great articles, but all of our past podcasts from, uh, from the last uh, four years or so are housed there. You can sort through those and find them. Uh, they're also available on iTunes. You can just download those and take them with you wherever you go. And uh, you can also find them here on Blog Talk Radio. So we encourage you to take a listen to those at your convenience. And, as always, appreciate the time you take to listen to us today. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at